Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin, the podcast. Jay-Z, Keyshawn, J. Will, Zubin, presented by Progressive Insurance. All guests join us on the Goodyear Hotline. Alan Hahn, Chris Canty with Jay will We've had some good phrases on this show, by the way, this morning. We had oozing drip. Phrasing. Well, we had, we've had phrasing. We've had oozing drip, though, from uh, Jeff Passon. I kind of like that. Ooze, you didn't like oozing drip? Oozing drip. Oozing yeah. drip. Talk to, talking about, was it... Um, um, not Lind- it was Lindor, yeah, right? Yeah. Oozing yeah. drip. Francisco, yeah. Oozing drip. You don't like that, Chris? All right, maybe I'm overstating okay. that one. We yeah. scout the helmet. Yeah, I like that one. That was good. That was, that was nice. By we Matt. did come up with passing aggressive. Passing. Now you're giving away a segment that's going to be on Barton Hahn. No, it's going right. to be on KJ and Z. What are you talking about? You came up with the it's intellectual my IP but, on our show. But, but it's you, my you idea. were sitting on the KJ Z set when it happened, so it is technically their intellectual gonna property. Have to have a, yes. a conversation yeah. with Justin Craig about this. Yeah. Yes. So we'll have to yes. take this to the very top. Keyshawn. Yeah. He's the president. <laughs> He's the guy. He's the president. <laughs> so, key? There goes your decision. <laughs> he is the president. You're right about that. This NFL season, we will have 17 games. You know what else we're going to have, guys? Apparently, full stadiums. That's what Roger Goodell feels like. That's He believes and is expecting that you're going to have all your fans back this coming season. That means 80,000-seat stadiums tailgating, just life back to normal. And remember, it was Q3 that um, Dr. Fauci believed we'd find our, that normalcy we'll be back to, right? Mm-hmm. That's what he talked about last year, and Q3 would be July. So it, the, the sense is now, of course, with uh, the vaccines and being more readily available, more people getting them, that the sense is, is that we can find our normalcy again when we get to the fall season, just in time for football. And Roger Goodell saying that, that all of us in the NFL want to see every one of our fans back. Football simply is not the same without fans, and we expect to have full stadiums in the upcoming season. Now, I know how I feel about it. I wonder what you guys feel about it, and also the callers. 888-SAY-ESPN, 888-729-3776. Because we are seeing in the NBA fans slowly coming back into the building. Mm-hmm. We're going to see now in Miami and in New York here as well, you're going to see – if you have a vaccine, if you've had the vaccine, there's a section for you with other fans who are vaccinated as well, where you don't have to worry about the testing and everything else. So you're having people in the building now, but 80,000 people on a Sunday. Are we ready for that? Are we ready for that yet? Is it too soon? Will, we, will the NFL get a full stadium, or will we see that it'll take some time before they can actually fill the building? Well, the NFL is going to have a full stadium. No, mm-hmm. no question about it. I, I have no doubt. Well, I tickets mean, sold is versus seats filled are two different things. Yeah, but I think there'll, there'll be enough people that are excited about getting back to their normal way of life that when football season rolls around, knowing that it's the most popular team sport in the country, like the NFL will have full stadiums. And I think this is another one of those instances where the calendar is working in the NFL's favor. Remember at the outset of the pandemic in 2020, we said that the NFL is probably positioned the best because they're going to have enough lead time to kind of plan about it and try to put all of the provisions, the protocols in place in order to try to have a full season and not have it interrupted by the coronavirus. But now I feel like with the timeline that this new administration has outlined in terms of when people will be able to get shots in arms, May 1st being the date that Americans 16 and older can schedule their appointment, that would be three full months before the NFL season is scheduled to kick off. So I think you have an opportunity to have a lot of people vaccinated, a huge amount of the population, moving us closer to herd immunity. 
And I think that's exactly what the NFL is banking on when Roger Goodell goes front and center and says they anticipate full stadiums. Demora Smith was on our show the other day saying that this was a critical year for them pushing through because of where they got the money to with this new TV deal. Yes. They, they don't get this new TV deal unless they have a product on the field this year. I go back to the first game of the season. Remember watching that Kansas City Houston Texans game? Yeah. When Deshaun Watson and Patrick Mahomes, they locked arms, and there was a lot of conversation about fans. Like There were fans in the stands then. Oh, yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Kansas yeah. City, absolutely. Ready. Like, it wasn't just like a couple of fans. No, no. There were a lot of fans there. Yeah. If that's how people felt then, in the midst of all that, it's definitely going to be packed when they open up after the summer. It's going to be packed. Every game. Remember in Buffalo, too, for the playoffs, the governor allowed that to happen, and they had fans there as well. And it's just, you know, look, if you're a a player, I I don't know how how you feel about it as well. I mean, again, it's it's one thing to have, you know, 25% capacity, which I believe the Super Bowl was, right? The Super Bowl was 25% capacity or 20%, something like that. It's another thing to have what only you've seen from the perspective of the field looking up is an entire 80,000 is a lot the of entire people. bowl full with with people yeah that's and, a lot and next to each other shoulder to shoulder i'm only asking this question not because, not out of fear it's just out of curiosity because of what we've been through over the last year is how many people when you find yourself getting into your seat and then you look to your right and there's somebody next to you and you remember oh that's right I got to deal with this guy sneezing, yelling, (laughs) screaming, drinking, spilling drinks, celebrating, all that stuff. While, yes, that's fun, I also know I know a lot more now than I used to about how germs are spread and viruses are spread and all that other stuff that it it does make you think a certain way. Yeah. And that's just the only reason why I asked the question. I am curious, again, those listening and for you guys as well, you guys seem like you're pretty like, yeah, no, let's go. Let's get right back into regular life. I'm just asking the question because I wonder after everything that we have learned that we never really used to think about before. And the other question, of course, is would we have to wear a mask? Yeah. Because that's not really a comfortable thing. And if you're trying to cheer while wearing a mask, I wonder what well, that would sound like. I mean, over, over in Asia, I mean, the habit has been a long time you wear a mask. Yes. I mean, it's everyday part of their culture. I will say after receiving my second vaccine shot, which I got a week and a half ago, like, it, it takes a while to ease back into it, but, like, I find myself being more and more comfortable around people. Like, I, I do. Mm-hmm. Like, it started so it to So it gave you peace of mind. Yeah, because I, I know, like, okay, well, the chances of me getting infected are, are drastically lowered, right? I still take precautionary measures, but I find myself being more willing to be like, all right. Like, I'm not saying I go back to exactly the way things were before this whole pandemic came out, but I'm looking at like, I'm kind of, like, ready to interact with people. I think we are at that point. Let me get some calls here. 888-ESPN. Brandon's in Brooklyn. Brandon, are you ready to go into a packed stadium? Absolutely not. Not yet. Not until, I would say, the stadium or um, the New York Giants from New York um, says you can only come in if you have the vaccine. Um, vaccine. That's the only way I'm doing a stadium because it's too hard to like determine who has, who has a vaccine, who has gotten a vaccine, who hasn't. And you're going to come in contact with someone that might be asymptomatic or might've had it maybe two weeks ago or didn't get tested. It's just too much chance for me. You see, Ben, thanks for the call, Brandon. See, Brandon's the example of what I'm talking about is the right. the unknown and what we what we now know. But I do think all municipalities are going to have their own rules. So it's not like the NFL sure. can just open the gates and say, everybody, come on in. There's <laughs> okay. going to be a rule about whether it's you have to ha- show a test, a, a negative test, or 
show proof of the vaccine. I, I imagine that's going to be part of the protocol. But if you don't have a vaccine, you will actually be the one that's at more risk going to games, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. So yeah, it's something else to think about. You know, so I, I hear what he's saying, like, hey, everybody's vaccinated. But, you know, if you have the vaccine, like, you're going to be safer than people who don't have the vaccine who are at the game. They're more capable of catching it. Let's take Tony in Akron. Hi, Tony. Good morning. Good morning, my favorite morning people. How good are morning, you? Good morning, T. How are you? <laughs> Very good. Start calling you I Auntie T. I am wonderful. Hey, they do that. Yeah. You can do that, sweetheart. <laughs> I am wonderful. But listen, I'm going to put it to y'all like this, okay? I'm getting ready to be 55 years old. So I can remember back in the day where when we got vaccinated, everybody had to. But my thing is this. If you don't want to go to the game because you're worried about the germs, stay at home. But we need to get back to some type. And I understand people breathing on you, sneezing on you. I get it. I get it. I do. I get it. But if you don't want to get vaccinated, if you don't want to go, just stay at home. But we have to get back to something that's normal. It'll never be the same, but we have to get back to something. We weren't created to be separated. We're not. We were not created that way. You need seven touches from you. You need seven human touches a day just to feel normal. Who feels normal now? You need that. I agree. Just doing shows in studio has changed the perspective of, of doing radio for a whole year, right, Chris? And yeah. Jay, we've yeah. doing it from home a lot. Thank you, Tony. Always good to hear from you. And then, uh, Alan, what do you do? Like, you know, when you're looking for that connectivity, you go to social media. You go to everything virtual. Like, think how that yeah. even makes it worse, right? right? You become more isolated. I mean, she said we're, we're not, you know, the humans, we're not made to, to be separated. We're also not made to shotgun a beer and then jump off, jump onto a burning table either. But we do that before <laughs> football game, so... I, look, it's like trolling Bills this fans. Is what, what do you mean? This is just this is just part, obviously, of the conversation, but an interesting one at that. Today on ESPN Daily, uh, a story of funny money, a secret recording, and the unraveling of a powerhouse high school football program in small town Georgia. That's on ESPN Daily. Listen on your favorite podcast app. I thought we had production. Sorry. Nope. I just paused for I paused for dramatic effects because we bring in Brian <laughs> Windhorst on the Goodyear Hotline. And and Wendy, you know what? I, I, I want you to listen to something, and this is relative to something that you talked about on the Hoop Collective podcast. And I just want to as a reporter, your spidey senses tend to tingle sometimes when you hear a player say something. And I want to see this is um this is about a week ago. Steph Curry, and he said this several times. Steph Curry, after a, a Warriors loss, sounding very frustrated with his team. Take a listen. We got to play better. We have to develop a winning attitude every single night. And honestly, we got to get sick of you know just getting blown out because that's embarrassing. I think we have to have some pride about how we're playing. You can lose games. That's going to happen, but not like that. Sometimes, Brian, you you hear a player sort of start to begin that process of. I need to get out of here. These, this is this, this is not this group. This is not, I'm not about this. Do you get that sense from Steph Curry? Not really. I mean, I definitely think he's frustrated about this season. They had higher hopes, and then Clay's injury derailed them, and he's been banged up a couple of times. And um, it's just been, it's you know, the Warriors really thought they were going to leap right back into it. You know, they they took it on the chin last year. Okay, they got their draft pick. Now they're going to come back into it, and it hasn't worked out. And I think 
you know, there's been a couple of games this year where they've been embarrassed and blown off the court, and he's gotten frustrated. But, you know, I don't think that he's in that mindset. But the reality is he has a contract extension decision this summer. Um, I'm sure the Warriors will offer him an extension, uh, whether it's the full max, which could be four years and around $200 million, or it's something else. You know, we'll see how that goes. And at that time, he'll either sign it and commit himself to being a warrior basically for life because it would be a deal that would take him to age 37 or 38, uh, or he won't, and then we'll have a five-alarm fire. But (laughs) I I think that it's not time for the five-alarm fire yet. I think he's probably committed. Uh, I I just think he's frustrated. Wendy, when, when you look at the situation, it seems like the rest of the league has caught up to the style in which Golden State created right look at the way Utah's playing a lot of threes Phoenix playing the same way Brooklyn Nets faster Milwaukee you know faster do, do you think that ultimately at the end of the day how how will Clay Thompson come back and will that affect the decision of a guy like Steph Curry uh, yes yeah, it's, it's a good question I don't know if he'll have the answer to that you know it's such a serious injury the Achilles for a guy of that age um, and, you know, the thing is, the Warriors have experienced an incredible talent drain. Um, the amount of talent that they had was extraordinary, you know, for sure. Uh, you know, they're falling from a very high height. But when you, when you lose an MVP in Kevin Durant, and then you have two seasons without a guy who's going to probably be a Hall of Famer in Clay Thompson, and then, you know, the bottom of the roster went from veteran guys like David West and Sean Livingston and uh, Andre Guadalla, those were their sort of reserves to guys in their first and second seasons. Um, that's a massive talent switch. I mean, no offense to Kelly Oubre and Andrew Wiggins, but they're not Clay Thompson yeah. and Kevin Durant. And no offense to Juan Pastano Anderson or Eric Pascal, uh or James Wiseman, but they are not at their careers yet, like you know Iguodala, Livingston, and David West. And so that talent drain is just unrecoverable. I mean, it's, you know, why did the Rockets lose 20 in a row? Because they lost their coach, their GM, and their, and their best player. And, you know, two years loss of losing another Hall of Famer in Chris Paul. So it's really not surprising that they are where they are. The question is, can they build up? And how does it work with Clay on that contract and potentially Steph on that contract and Draymond on that contract? That means they're going to have to do it without – uh, salary cap space, which is why I believe the best thing for the Warriors is to miss the playoff this year and uh, and try to get into this this great lottery. But good luck telling a guy like Steph Curry that he's an <laughs> yeah. ultimate competitor. Wendy, after the flurry of activity that we've seen the last two weeks with the trade deadline and the buyout market, who is your favorite to win the NBA title this year? I don't have a good answer for you because it's been so hard to put this thing together. I, I think the Nets are a scary team when they're at full power. Um, I didn't like the signing of LaMarcus Aldridge because I think it blocks playing time for one of the great revelations of this season for them, which is the young big man, Nick Claxton. They've been awesome with him on the court, but that's not going to determine the championship. I find it hard to believe at full force that the Nets are going to be easy to beat four out of seven. But also, you know, the Lakers, the Lakers demonstrated that they're the number one defensive team in the league when they're fully healthy. And if they've got LeBron and AD at full strength, I mean, that is a beast of a team to stop. So I can't see between the two of them, and yet I could sit here and make you a case for other teams. So hopefully we get a highly interesting and intense playoff that is free from delays from COVID-19 shutdowns 
and free from injuries. But of course, that's not been the case in recent years. Yeah, that's always now the X factor, right? With, with it, it's what team might get affected and might lose a player for X amount of time, and that could certainly affect them. Brian Windhorst joining us right here on KJZ ESPN Radio. Uh, Wendy, you just talked about the Nets a little bit here, and, and James Harden not went out of his way, but basically just boldly stated when asked about the MVP conversation, <laughs> said that he is, he should be in the conversation, that he thinks he is the guy that should be MVP. You've had the injuries to Embiid, the injuries to LeBron, um, does, does he, and I'm not going to say by default, but by just the way he's playing right now with the Nets, does he move to the top of your list as somebody that would be voting? Yeah, he's a really strong candidate for me. Um, guys, this MVP race is going to be, there's some people going to gonna be in their feelings on this one <laughs> because we have a lot of candidates. We have a lot of mitigating factors, LeBron's injury, Embiid's injury, James Harden's trade demand. And, you know, we have sort of an unclear, like, who's the best team in the league? Is it is it the Lakers? Is it the Clippers? Is it the Nets? Is it the, the, the 76ers? And you have guys who are putting up great numbers, like Luka, who should be in there, like Steph Curry, whose teams aren't quite as good. It's going to be a mess. There's going to be an incredible amount of campaigning. Uh, some of it's going to be clear. Some of it's going to be, uh, you know, subtle. Uh, I think it's going to be an incredible finish. And, and Harden has got a remarkable case. I just don't know how the voters are going to treat that action. I mean, at the end of the day, how can you look at what he's done, the position he's put himself in, and then look at what the Rockets have done and say that James Harden didn't make a good decision by trying to force his way to Brooklyn? How can you look him square in the eye and say you did something that, was, that you should be punished about? I can't do that. Um, I wish he wouldn't have gone to strip clubs. Uh, I thought that was a terrible look and an insult to his teammates and a, and a bad thing for the NBA. But I can't look him in the eye and say, James, I think you made a mistake and say you wanted to be, with a, be a Brooklyn Net. How can I do that? So he'll have a very strong uh, case for me. I also think Embiid has been awesome. And, and, you know, before LeBron got hurt, he was playing spectacularly. So if the Lakers are in sixth place when LeBron comes back and all of a sudden he carries them like, you know, 12 wins in 13 games to roar to the number two seed, that will be compelling too. Wendy, do you think media voters will hold it against James Harden? Do you think that will hinder him? I do, Jay. I do. Um, In fact, um, you know, Tim Bontemps did a a straw poll uh, about maybe about a month or five weeks ago. And and granted, Harden has played very well since then. He's increased his case. But Harden, I don't believe, was even in the top 12 or 13 in the invo- and he, by the way, he interviewed one hundred so of the ex- yeah. And so, I, I do, I do believe that. I do believe, especially because um, a lot of the voters are from. I mean, I don't want to cast aspersions. Some of the voters, you know, cover teams that are you know that are damaged by teams wanting trade. Um, this mm-hmm. doesn't help. You know, star players asking for trades to the coasts, forcing their way to the coast. Uh, the majority of the voters are in middle America. Okay, I live in Omaha, Nebraska. I have I have a feel for both sides. Um, that's going to offend a certain segment of the people who are like, why didn't you want to stick with your team? To me, it does not affect my vote, but if you're asking me whether I think it will affect it, I do. I think it's a hurdle for him to overcome. I think LeBron was punished the year that he went to Miami. Yep. Uh, you know, Derrick Rose won the MVP, and he was terrific that year, but I think if you go back and look at it, LeBron was punished because the vote wasn't even close. And maybe Derrick Rose was the MVP, but it should have been neck and neck. And LeBron wasn't even considered by most voters because 
they said, you know, basically you got to have penance for, for going to Miami. And that, that stigma still remains on guys. One more thing, Wendy, if I could. Um, are you you catch? Are you following March Madness as close as you can? Obviously, you got to put all your time into the NBA. Mm-hmm. But do you follow it? And no. Do you do it like me and watch? Like, no. Who's I mean, the we next had the pro? trade deadline, which yeah, you know, so. which kind of totally threw us during that. I haven't watched as many games as I as I would like to with this with this year's schedule. Yeah, no, that's fair. I, I thought just to see, like, again, who's the next pro going to be. But I, I set you up for a bad one there, so I apologize. But I will plug your <laughs> podcast for you, the Brian Windhorst <laughs> and the Hoop Collective Podcast. It's a must listen. Subscribe now. See, I tried to make it up to you, Wendy. Thanks so much, man, for the time. We appreciate you. <laughs> Thanks, Wendy. Take care, guys. Have a good day. You too. Right. Which coach needs a title most in the Final Four? Who will it me- mean to the most? We'll ask our coach after Jay has this from Goodyear. Goodyear knows when the season starts hitting up, so do the possibilities. Playoff hopefuls are beginning to emerge and contenders are solidifying their position. From here on out, every game is a chance to create momentum, to make the right pass, the right move, to hit the perfect shot. It takes momentum to build up to the moment, but it takes everything to capture it. Goodyear, more driven. This is what we live for. This is the, the height of college basketball, March Madness. For the 19th time in school history, the first since 2008, the Bruins are going to the Final Four. More from Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin next. Have you ridden an electric e-bike yet? You need to check out Electric e-bikes today, the number one selling e-bike in America. Two things stand out that bikers love about electric. Number one, the majority of their models come pre-assembled, so you don't need to be a bike savant to ride them. Number two, electric wants to empower riders to spend more time exploring outside on their bikes, so they've made range a priority. Long-range batteries allow riders to hit typically around 65 miles of range or up to 150 miles on some models. Bonus, electric has purposefully priced their bikes to be affordably awesome so you don't have to break the bank to get these sweet rides. See why people who have made the switch to electric bikes have fallen in love with biking again by visiting electricebikes.com. That's L-E-C-T-R-I-C-E-B-I-K-S.com. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. The Bulldogs will inbound, and they'll dribble it out. And the quest for perfection moves to the Final Four. 30-0 Gonzaga is headed to the Final Four for just the second time in school history. 85-66 Gonzaga dominates the USC Trojans, winning and leading wire to wire to move on to the Final Four. That's how it sounded on Westwood One NCAA Radio Network as the Bulldogs improve to 30-0. They become the 14th team all-time to reach the Final Four with an unbeaten record. They've won all of its tournament games this year by 15 or more points. UCLA defeated Michigan 51-49. Also, to advance to the Final Four, Johnny Juzang continued his breakout performance, scoring a game-high 28 points. On to the women's tournament. South Carolina defeated Texas 62-34. Stanford defeated Louisville 78-63. Both advanced to the women's Final Four. 
For South Carolina, it's the third Final Four ticket in a 28-point win. It's South Carolina's largest tournament win since 2017. That year, they won the national title. Stanford, meanwhile, they trailed by as many as 14. But the win gives the Cardinal its 14th Final Four appearance, third most in tournament history. On to the NFL. The owners approve an expanded 17-game season. It will start in 2021. That will be this year. The preseason will be reduced from four games to three, that to maintain a compliance with the CBA, which limits the total number of preseason and regular season games total to 20. Sports Center brought to you by Straight Talk Wireless. Spend your tax return wisely with Straight Talk Wireless. You can get a Samsung Galaxy A51 for $199, plus get the $45 unlimited talk, text, and data plan with no contract on America's Best Networks for up to 50% less. Tune out the nonsense. Tune in to Straight Talk. Quest for perfection moves to the final four. 30 and 0 Gonzaga. This memory will last them a lifetime. It means a tremendous lot to the program. What we did is history here. UCLA has won it from the first four to the final four. This is great. We're not done. We got work to do. We're not chasing anybody or anything. We just come in every day to play the Gonzaga standard. This is the result that we get from that. KJZ, presented by Progressive Insurance, Alan Hahn, Chris Canty, Jay Will, and joining us on the Goodyear Hotline, the coach, Seth Greenberg, joins us right now. Enough. (laughs) Never enough. Never enough, coach. (laughs) Everyone's bracket was blown up early in this thing. But this Final Four, how predictable do you think it was? Well, it's not very predictable because you got UCLA over Michigan yesterday. That's obviously unpredictable. Baylor and Gonzaga were the two teams we wanted to see all season long play. They actually scheduled a game that had to be canceled due to the virus. And then Houston's been terrific all season long. They're an elite defensive team, an elite rebounding team. They're actually like Baylor 1.0. They're not Baylor 2.0, but they got great backcourt. They rebound the ball. They defend. They turn you over. Just not as good as Baylor in my expectation. Seth, you brought it up, but let's dive a little bit deeper into it. How impressive is it to see a first four team in UCLA making it to the Final Four and what they did in their win last night over Michigan with Johnny Juzang scoring 18 of his 28 in the first half? How impressive was that game and their run in this tournament? It's incredible. Mick's done an amazing job, and he's won it a, different, a lot of different ways. But this is a UCLA team that, that's part old-school Mick Cronin Cincinnati and part new-school uh, UCLA basketball. Uh, but he's done an amazing job. In the game yesterday, I thought his game plan cut off the head of the snake. What's the head of the snake when you think about Michigan? It is Michael Smith. It is uh, Franz Wagner. And that's what they did. Look at what those two guys did. They did absolutely nothing. And Johnny Juzang. What a year he's had. And everyone goes, why did he do it at Kentucky? He was a guy that graduated high school a year early. The year he put in at Kentucky obviously was a year well spent. He used that year to get better and learn how to compete. He's been terrific. This has been an unbelievable run by UCLA. And they've actually got a way to beat Gonzaga. I'm not saying they will, but there's a path, and I might tell it to you later. That's called a tease. Yeah. Seth, you know, I was, you know I was watching the game last night, and every time I saw Michigan shoot a three during the final, oh uh, boy. I was like, just rack it. Just oh rack You know how you and I both yell at the TV. But <laughs> I, I wanted to talk to you about the venom that is happening now in social media. Franz Wagner is getting destroyed by people. Like Michigan just eating their own. Like, why does this, why does this happen? Like, why, why do teams and their fan bases build kids up the whole year and then the people just they, he misses a couple of shots down the stretch and then he gets destroyed by people? Why? Yeah, it's sad. Fans short for fanatic. 
They're all nuts. I mean, the passion of fans is just different. Right here, you say, what? He come, came off that ball screen, the big stepped out. Why don't you play downhill and drive it? He didn't. He was had an open shot. That's a shot he could make. Now, I would have liked to see him drive it. This shot here is a great shot, though. That was a great play by uh, Juwan Howard. They had a lob first. You see the lob. They took away the lob. All of a sudden, everyone turns their head. Wagner slides to an open spot, gets a good look. Even Michael Smith, when he came and drove the ball with six seconds left, I would have liked to see him drive the ball. These kids have had an incredible year, an incredible season, dealing with COVID testing every single day, dealing with pauses and and delays and limitations, a year like no other, like everyone else has had. And for anyone, anyone to take a shot at these young people is absolutely ridiculous. Great season. Juwan did a great job. They represented the school in 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 an incredible manner. You know what? The other guy's trying to win also. UCLA, great game plan. They own the tempo and rhythm of the game. Johnny Juzang happened. He was absolutely phenomenal. Their defensive game plan say, we're going to guard Hunter Dickinson one-on-one. We're going to take away Bogner. We're going to take away Smith. Terrific. Give UCLA credit for people and fans that do what, they're, what you're saying they're doing. It's disgusting. It's absolutely disgusting, but that's the world we live in. People go on this thing, and all of a sudden they think they can say anything because they're anonymous. It's sad, but it's true. All right, so let me get you to pay off the tease that I should have asked that follow-up question before I got into the social media aspect. How does a team like UCLA beat Gonzaga? Oh, the tempo of the game. UCLA, think about this. They don't turn the ball over, Jay. Well, they don't turn the ball over 15% of their possessions. UCLA, their style of play, they're 319th in average length of possession. Obviously, Gonzaga's third. So if you don't turn it over, you take good shots, you own the rhythm of the game, you're in pretty good shape. You have to have a matchup for Corey Kispert at the four. Well, you know what? Johnny Juzang, excuse me, uh, Jaime Jaquez, that's a very good matchup at the four for Kispert. Now, here's my concern. And I like Tiger Campbell. I like his toughness against Jalen Suggs. My concern for UCLA is that matchup with Timmy. Timmy's footwork, Timmy's ability to run the floor. They score 50 points a game in the paint. You're going to have to defend Timmy out at the elbow when he drives her in those short rolls. You're going to have to defend him on the block. That will be a tough matchup. That'll be a question that Mick will have to answer. But I like the matchups in the other areas. The big thing, you can't turn it over like USC did because this is the best Gonzaga defense I've seen in a long, long time. When you got a Yai and you got Suggs out on the perimeter, pressure in the ball, getting deflections, Timmy's a good front court defender. He's active in ball screens. You can't turn it over. You got to take good shots, which UCLA does. They don't turn it over. If they can figure out a way to slow down Timmy, because he is so good and has so many different ways to finish, this will be a good game. Mick Cronin's going to go old school Mick Cronin, Cincinnati days, make it a rock fight, make it physical. Interesting to see how the game will be officiated, but this will be a game. This will not be a 30-point blowout. That's my gut feeling. A 30-point blowout would be nice if they could just keep it to single digits because no one seems to be able to do that against Gonzaga, right, Seth? I mean, that's really what the the most compelling thing has been. What was it, 17-4 to open the game? They were trapping. They were trapping up 20 with six minutes to go. They do not take their foot off the pedal. So it would be nice to see one competitive game, and you feel like, though, the way UCLA plays, that, that this could be that game finally? Yeah, I think it could be. I'm not sure if it will be. And then you've got <laughs> Baylor, Baylor, Houston up front. Now, look, right. look, this Baylor team is an interesting team. 83% of their points come from their guards, which is crazy. They turn you over like 25% of their possessions. Their backcourt can play with this Gonzaga team. Their backcourts are ridiculous. They got five guards any given night. Think about this. They played four NCAA tournament games. Four. All right? 
and they've had three different leading scorers, and neither of them have been, or any of them have been, they're two All-Americans. They're two All-Americans haven't led them in scoring yet. Mitchell and Butler haven't led them in scoring. That's how good they are in the backcourt. So when I look at looking ahead, if it is a Baylor-Gonzaga game, which obviously was scheduled prior, Mm -hmm. that would be a terrific game. But I don't think, as good as Mark Vidal is up front, chasing Corey Kispert around on that three-point line and on those pick-and-pops might be a problem. And then... Drew Timmy, as good as Jonathan Chamachachua, his feet are. I just said it because I like saying his name. I finally <laughs> learned how to say it. So I say it as many times as I can say it. But chasing Timmy around, Timmy, you got to make him guard. Like, I think if you're going to beat Agree. Gonzaga, make him mm-hmm. guard. If you make him guard, get him in foul trouble, put pressure on him on that side of the floor, it's going to be different. I think it's going to be a great Final Four. I mean, it's a shame that we can't be there, but it's amazing that we're playing it. Let me ask you, Jay Will. This Gonzaga team, if it was playing against Williams, Dunleavy, and Boozer, if it was playing against Jordan, Worthy, and Perkins, how do they compare? Here's my answer. In the one-and-done era, era, they might be the best. But in terms of big picture, how do they compare to your great teams? I agree with you. He's he's asking how. Well, no, he, he he's, well, he said in the one-and-done era, they're the best. Right. I, okay. I, I think you if you're putting them against some of those teams that he just mentioned, I, I think I, – I, look, our team, we had the – Shane was the third pick in the draft the year we won it. Yeah. I was the second pick in the draft the year after. Mike Denley was the third pick in the draft. Carlos Boozer was a perennial all-star. Chris Duan played 10-plus years in the league. Like, I, I, think we, I think we beat this team I, pretty easily. I don't, I don't think it's – Wow. Like, whoa, what? Whoa, just, whoa, 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 whoa. Wow. Put the brakes on here now. Pretty what? easily. I don't uh, disagree. I don't yeah, disagree. What did he say? Hey, hey, your, your team defensively was no like, – that's back when Duke played defense. They're ook now, Duke without the D. <laughs> I'm not talking day, about now. I'm not the, talking back, about now. Back in the day, you guys talk, guarded. I would, yeah, I would love to go against Jalen Suggs. Okay. Ooh, I, like, like I, I would have loved to see – I would have loved for I Mike Dunleavy to see Corey Kispert. Okay. I would love for Shane Battier or Carlos Boozer to see Timmy. Okay. Like, we're going to make you well, guard because he he's not being all that pick and roll. Wow. Stirring the pot, Sam. Stirring the pot. He's not being modest. There's no humility. What do you want me to say? This is what it is. What do you want me to say? What would you say, Chris? What would you say, Chris? I'm just, I'm just saying Jay Will is not leaving anything up to interpretation. He is just going for <laughs> Gonzaga's I, You guys put me like, if you want me to be objective about this, no, I can't no, no, do that because I'm no, on the damn no, court. That's not good TV. I'm on the court. I got you. I got you. I got poking him, Chris. I got him. Seth, I got one more question for you. What would an undefeated season mean for Mark Few and his legacy if they were to finish mm, this with a championship? Great question. Yeah. Uh, it's, you know what? It's an incredible accomplishment. It's an incredible accomplishment what he's accomplished for – the period of time he's been at Gonzaga. But when you talk an undefeated season, I mean, that puts you in rarefied air. I mean, you're talking, you're talking the Woodens and the Knights. And, you know, it's just incredible what he's been able to do and the consistency that he does it and how he's built it. You know, part high school guys, part international guys, part transfers. Get him in. They have a great sense of community. They have a great trust. Uh, the manner in which he plays the game. And then, you know, everyone looks at Few and, you know, look, ah, that's Mark Few. He's a nice guy. That dude is the most competitive dude you'll ever meet. I mean, there's a fire that burns inside of him that is really, really special. But he loves on his guys and challenges his guys at the same time. And I think that's, that's the magic of Mark Few and that he has a standard. And the standard is the standard every single day in every single practice and every time they take the floor. 
And, you know, he will not take any shortcuts. But he's found an incredible balance, an incredible environment and culture in Spokane, Washington, where he can take elite high school players. They, they've got another elite guard coming in next year. Mm-hmm. International players, where it's a destination, because all these guys have had great success. All right. And then transfers. He's taken. He was ahead of the curve. He was like where Cal was in one and done in taking grad transfers and transfers and kind of putting them all together and figuring out a way to make it work. I, it would be, Chris, it would be an amazing accomplishment. And uh, it would put him in a very rare group of coaches. And, he, and the other thing is he's got a humility about him. Like the dude just wants to coach basketball and go fishing. I mean, that's basically it. I mean, you know, I, I, I've called Fuey at times. I go, Fuey, what are you up to? He goes, I'm on a boat. I'm watching some whales. I said, you're watching what? Jay Will, could you imagine being on a boat watching whales? Oh, you'd be stressed out of your mind. <laughs> Get me off this boat. I got to break down some plays. I got to watch some tape. <laughs> Enough with the whales. Enough. <laughs> Enough with the whales. Enough. <laughs> Seth, we appreciate you, man. Thanks as always. All right, Thanks, brother. Guys. All right, Seth Greenberg. He joined <laughs> us on the Goodyear Hotline. We are Keyshawn, Jay Will, and Zubin. I'm Alan Hahn, Chris Canty, in with Jay Will, presented by Progressive Insurance. You know what time it is. It's time for the caller roulette. You know how it works. You call in. We'll call out the caller number you are. You'll be told. You tell. You don't have to tell us who you. Well, you tell us who you are, where you're from. You don't have to ask us anything else. How we're doing, all that stuff. That's out the window. Just ask your question, or if you have a take, make it. Caller roulette coming up next after Jay has this from Indeed. Regular job sites can take days to find the right candidate. With Indeed, it can take seconds thanks to Indeed Instant Match. It searches millions of resumes in Indeed's database and instantly finds up to 20 people whose resumes match your job criteria. Want to narrow the list even further? Add Indeed skills tests to see candidate skills that go beyond their resume. Maybe that's why Indeed delivers four times more hires than all other job sites combined, according to Talent Nest. Visit Indeed.com slash credit. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day, but sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Whoever's on Line 5 right now. They better be ready. Better do be, be better, do better, better than that. Do better, Line 5. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do better. Do better. Do better. So we'll set this up. I'll tell you what. This is how we play. Call the roulette. You already know what your line is. We've got them all filled up right now. You tell us your name, where you're from. Then you ask a question or give your take, however you want to do it. Don't be like Rudy. Don't do it that way. All right, let's spin the wheel. Let's go. Let's see who we get first. Line five. Nine five. <laughs> what are the odds? A lot of pressure. Line five, go. 
<laughs> Alex from Orlando. What's scary if you're a New York Yankees fan? No starting first baseman or a whole lot of question marks after Garrett Cole? I would probably say the rotation. Yes. Yeah, more so than that. Because you got Jay Bruce to be able to step in at first base if you need to. And it's like DJ, Corey Kluber. Can and you DJ LeMahieu as well. Like you got, you got solutions yeah, with yeah, the yeah. first base spot. Like with, with the rotation, if Tyon and Kluber aren't guys that you can rely on to give you five-plus innings, you're going to be in trouble. Yes. You're going to be in trouble. So I would say having those front-line starters not perform up to what Brian Cashman is projecting them to be, that's the scariest thing. All Great. Right. Next question. Let's Spin go. Spin the wheel. Let's, Let's go. Next call. Line three. Go. Yeah, Jason, I was wondering if you could tell me, you said your uh, Duke team could beat uh, Gonzaga. What about North Carolina with the GOAT, Michael Jordan? Could that team beat uh, Gonzaga? I mean, look, I, Michael Jordan is all-time legend. You're never going to have me sit up here on national TV and radio and say that Michael Jordan would lose to anybody. So this won't be the first time. I, I think that team – Sam Perkins on that team too, right? Yes. Wasn't he? And by the way, back then he was Mike Jordan. He was Mike Jordan. Different player. Completely – but I still take the Carolina Tar Heels. Spin the wheel. Line six, Go. This is Matt from Connecticut, and I was wondering what are some takeaways you guys had from Drew Timmy's performance to get a, against a perennial top three pick in Evan Mobley? You see, I think psychologically he made, he made Evan Mobley feel small. He won that battle. And, and, and this is what happens sometimes when you have high draft picks or people that have that potential for talent, right? Like, they're not as physically mature. Like, Evan Mobley is still growing into his body. Timmy is a guy that understands who he is, right? It's almost like a bet. Like, oh, I'm going to be out here. I'm going to be rough with you. I'm going to be physical. Oh, and I'm going to dunk it. I'm going to put my fingers <laughs> over the mustache. I'm going to let you know. Psychologically, I'm leaving my footprint on your chest. Didn't you want Mobley to kind of respond to a little bit of that stuff? If you're going to start, like, giving me all the histrionics, I might have to respond in some way. It didn't happen. You would like for him to, but, I mean, Evan Mobley, a guy still trying to figure out still who young. he's going to become. Mm -hmm. Timmy, a guy who knows who he is. All right, spin it. Spin the wheel. Call the roulette continues on KJZ. Where does it land? Number one, go. Hey, Justin Fields, if – you're picking Trevor, number one. I get it. If you're picking someone besides Justin Fields, number two, what part of 6'3", 230, rocket arm, 4'4", 40, and played a great schedule don't you like? Yeah, I'm with you on that one. I, I don't get it as well, but, I mean, I guess a lot of these talent evaluators are saying with Zach Wilson, the way the ball out, comes out of his hand, it's so effortless, um, just the ease in which he, he's able to push the ball down the field and then just his aggressiveness when it comes to being able to be a playmaker. I think that's what's enamored a lot of these scouts, but I'm with you. Coming into the, the college football season, I thought that Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields would go 1-2 in this year's NFL draft. But apparently the New York Jets and a lot of other teams around the NFL like Zach Wilson more. Mm. As, as Matt Millen told us, right? Matt Miller said we scout the helmet. Maybe not in this case you shouldn't. Spin it! I thought you'd say phrase, by the way. Phrasing. Nope. Line six, go! <laughs> hey, it's Devin. I'm calling to see if uh, Tom Thibodeau has a chance at Coach of the Year this year. I think he'd be in the conversation. I mean, especially if the Knicks make the playoffs in the top six, they avoid the seven ten. considering really what they were predicted to be, which was a team, I think it was ESPN's basketball power index, had them at 24.7 wins. 
How many wins are they at right now? Yeah, 24. 24. Yeah, yeah, yeah 24. Yeah, yeah. Quinn so Snyder playing tonight from against Utah. the worst team in the league. Yeah. Quinn Snyder from Utah. Monty Williams from Phoenix, yeah, too. Quinn what Snyder to do. probably yeah, leads incredible. the way. Monty has done a great yes. job with that Phoenix team that keeps winning. I imagine those would be the ones at the very top. But I think Tom Thibodeau would be in the conversation. Yes. Do we have time for one more spin? Yeah, let's do it. One more. Need a quick question. Quick question. Line four, you got to be fast. Go. Big Rob Inglewood, baby. Hey, about being hit real quick. I was a basketball player and a track runner, and the football coach seen me running, so he asked me to come out to football practice. And my first football practice, Uh-oh, I seen the hit coming. And I got up, and I gave Rob, the coach we're not gonna my make helmet. It, Rob. I, I need to hear uh, the rest of this story. Oh, I'll share the story tomorrow, tomorrow Rob. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. 